pretty sure we're going to be going through the Bible quite a bit today, so flex your fingers. Everybody take that minute, flex your fingers, and, you know, put the wax sticky on them or whatever you got to do, but we're going to be going through some passages this morning. But we're going to start here in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And Jesus is in the temple there, and it says, And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For that all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury had cast in all the living that she had. So the, the picture that we have here, as Jesus is sitting there and he's watching them, he's watching the line of people that come up, and I, I get this, I've, I've always gotten this picture in my head of the publisher's clearinghouse check. <laughs> because there are certain people that like you to know that they've donated, that they want you to, you know, and I could just see these Pharisees, the ones that, the ones that like to have the, the long skirts and, the, you know, they had the, the, the extra dressing on the bottom. My mind goes blank. We, we might have a rough ride. I don't know. But they, they get up there and they're rich or they're wealthy or the, these wealthy men and they get up there and I could just see them toting their check and you can read how much they've given. And, Jesus lays out an important principle here. And I'm, uh, he says, these rich men, they gave out of their abundance, but this poor widow, she gave all that she had. So when we look at it in terms and just kind of get in today's terms, we'll throw some numbers out there. Somebody that makes $100,000 and gives 10000 to the church, we'll say, isn't quite given as much Jesus said, as the one who brought home 200 for the week and put 200 in the plate. Now, I'm going to throw out some caveats here because I don't want you to get nervous on me. We've already, we're already running a little empty today. So I want to throw out some caveats. I'm going to be preaching on giving today, but it's good giving. I'm not up here to lecture anybody. I don't have a scope on my Bible. If I did, it wouldn't do any good. Because it's not that tuned in. I'm shooting with a shotgun. What, what's that, Misty? Start pointing, you have three back at you. Oh, yeah, start pointing, you got three going back at you. And, and the verses I'm going to show you, I'm going to share with you, some of them just personally convicted me over the years, even though they're Old Testament verses. I want you to appreciate them in context. It, it, these Old Testament verses are... Uh, you know, when you want to keep things in context in the dispensation that they're in. So it's the prophet talking to the people of Israel, or these things happen to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. But I want to show you some principles, too, in the New Testament and kind of tie it together. So as we look at this today, the, the big thing to notice is God doesn't care how much you give. But... I want to show you today that it's an indication from the heart what you give. And when we talk about giving, let's see, the caveats, make sure before you get nervous, seed money. I'm not going to get up here and tell you that you got to do seed money and that God's going to bless you according to how much you give. 
I think you understand that, right? I'm not going to tell you, well, praise God. You're not going to get anything back if you don't give. And if you just plant a little seed money with the church, then God will bless it and you'll be able to get that new Cadillac. That's not what I'm going to teach. You see how I blend that together so they can't just cut that off? The other thing is, uh, if I don't teach it, which I tend to shy away from, and I'll tell you why, and some of you know this story, but I tell it every time, is uh, I tend to shy away from it because I had a family member that, you know, a story he told me when I was very young, and he was he had some folks come by to visit, and they were inviting him to church, and he was thinking about going to church. And I, I don't know how this happened. I, to this day, I don't understand the program that would do this, but this is how he remembered it. They said, he was talking about going, oh, yeah, well, when, when is it and all that? And they said, okay, and would you like to start your tithe? I was like, what? And ever since then, the church is just about money. It's all about money. And the way, the, the way some of these go, you would think that's all it is. But I want you to know it's not all about money. But it's about blessings. You get robbed of blessings. If somebody doesn't understand what God thinks about giving, they begin to lose out on some blessings that they may not even realize. And it's not seed money. Uh, let me give you some illustrations here. A friend of mine's church, Brother Snyder, he was telling me when we went to visit, he said that uh, he'd asked how we did it in the flood and all that. You know, during the big flood down here in Dickinson, God had his hand on this building. Because... The worst that happened, me and Johnny came up and took care of with a shop vac, was that the water came up through the concrete right here. When people's houses were underwater, when whole streets were flooded, when businesses, there was a bookstore down the road, it, I mean, just totally flooded out and ruined every paperback book in there. All that we had here was some water kind of built up there, and I don't know how to this day all that works, especially anyway, but... uh a library, Miss Kay, the way it dumps on us. But all we had was some water here in the front that we shot back. But Brother Snyder's church, it was halfway up the wall. And he was explaining to me that's how they got the wainscoting, you know, because they, they when they cut the sheetrock, they just put some wood back and made nice wainscoting out of it. But, you know, he told me when this happened, when the flood happened, all they had was 20000 And... If you know anything about remodeling or fixing, I mean, that's about what we spent fixing up the Welcome Center. That was kind of our best room before that. <laughs> but when the, when the floor split, it's like, well, let's go ahead here. But uh, he had 20000 That's all he had. And he, he got on his knees and he prayed about it. And he said, Lord, what do you, what do you want us to do? You know, do we need clothes? What, what is, Lord, we need some help. And he said about a day later, they got a phone call from an organization that was helping churches. He said by the time they got done, they'd spent 63000 on the church. So God does provide. You know, you, you see God providing. It's not something that you can write up on, you hand it out and say, this is God's covenant that he'll give you so much when this happens. He'll make this happen and he'll give you so much. It's not like that. But God works in your life. So those blessings will come when you don't expect it. And uh, another was uh, Pulaski 
Baptist, before I got there, they'd redone their fellowship hall. You know, they weren't sure how it was going to happen. And uh, there wasn't but about three families there, four families there. Most of them were part of the, there was three last names and about five families there. But they were redoing the fellowship hall. You know, when they started, they weren't sure they could do it. By the end of, by the time they were done, you know, they'd spent way more than they thought they would be able to, but they were able to take care of it. I'm just trying to give you some illustrations. I know in my own life, there's been times when I've really wanted to hang on to it. And I did, and I made the commitment. And then somehow I didn't want for anything. And I just want to show you that these are biblical principles. This isn't a preacher up here talking, but this I want to show you uh, where God talks about this. So the points are, I want to look at, number one, the purposes of giving. Why do we give? You know, why do you need to give money to God? God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Why would you need to give in the first place? The other is the principles of giving. And in the Old Testament, you'll see some passages, and they'll show you what God thinks of giving, what God thinks of his people giving. And then there's the practice of giving. How do we do it in the New Testament? And uh, God willing, we'll get through with this in in a couple hours. (laughs) Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Chronicles chapter 31. So number one, why do we give? Second Chronicles chapter 31. First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. All right, we're going to read verses four through ten. Chapter 31, verses four through ten. And this is about Hezekiah. And, uh, you know, just for context here, in uh, First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you see Israel getting away from God. You see them returning to God, kind of like in Judges. But you see a good king, you see a bad king. You see a king Ahab, you know, you see a king Hezekiah, not necessarily in that order. But here we have King Hezekiah, and there's a revival going on. And they're fixing up the house of God that's been neglected. The temple has been neglected. So in verse number four, this is Hezekiah. Moreover, he commanded the people. Well, let's start at verse one. Now, when all this was finished, all Israel that were present went out to the cities of Judah and break the images and pieces and cut down the groves and threw down the high places and the altars out of all Judea, all Judah. And that just gives you the context. There's a revival going on. They're getting the idols out of the land. So verse number four. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. See, when God set it up, he set it up for the offerings of the temple, the offerings of the tabernacle and the temple would take care of his priesthood. He didn't even give the Levites, the tribe of Levi, an inheritance because their inheritance was their portion of the Lord. So as they took care of the priesthood, the 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 offerings and the sacrifices they received of that and God took care of them in that way. Verse number five, and as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits, notice that word, the first fruits of corn, wine and oil and honey and of all the increase of the field and the tithe of all things brought brought they in abundantly. Verse number six, And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt in the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe, which is a tenth, 
of oxen and sheep and the tithe of holy things were consecrated, which were consecrated unto the Lord their God and laid them by heaps. In the third month, they began to lay the foundation of the heaps and finished them in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Ezariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty. For the Lord hath blessed his people, and that which is left is this great store. I've heard it said before, if all of God's people gave, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be any lack. You know, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be any shortfalls. Uh, even as few people as, yeah, I'll say it. I'll throw it out there. Even as few people as we have, people give, and we have enough to take care of things. We're blessed with it. So we don't have a temple. We have a church, and God doesn't directly tell us to support a building, as some will tell you. But this building is a place that we've set aside to meet. It's a building that we set aside to worship in. You know, if it was in a house, it would be the same thing. You would be contributing toward supporting that. So contributing toward the temple or contributing toward the house of the Lord and contributing toward the support of the priests in the Old Testament, we see that principle that God set up. I'll ask it. Are you all with me? You know, that question always comes out when I'm nervous. I'm not real nervous, but I do want to make sure y'all are following along here and that you're not, you know, sitting there steaming mad, which you shouldn't be, because you guys know this even better than I do about how tithing, how God works through it. All right, so the taking care of the temple, and then look over in Romans 15 if you want to, or I'll read it to you. But Romans chapter 15, the next point is supporting the temple, and then the next point is supporting the saints. Because there's a reason that you give to the church, and it's not so that the church can have more money. That's a misnomer. We're not in business as a church. So we're, we're not here to accumulate, 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 but we also want to be stewards to where if we had to take care of something like we did last year, we had an air conditioner go out. You can see where this is just a real practical message this morning, right? Because we don't have service on Sunday night, so I'm kind of throwing this up. But the, uh, we needed an AC last year, $5,000 to replace it. And we, we just went ahead and put a new one because we'd have had to keep milking along the old Freon and all that. So we were able to replace that because we had enough. But as a church, it's not meant for us to, you know, oh, we're sitting on 200000 300000 or whatever. We're supposed to do something with that. Now, in Romans chapter number 15, uh, Paul's talking to him in verse 22. He says, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you, but now having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, Whosoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. And you see this in taking care of the saints. And Paul's going to Jerusalem to minister to them. And he said, For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. 
And there's times when we as a church will help somebody in our circle. You know, we'll offer them help when they need it. Now that we've got a lot of people that come from outside of our circle, not so much now that my phone number is not on Facebook, but uh, we, you know, there's, there's sometimes that you help other people, but it, Paul here is going to Jerusalem and he's helping those that are in, in straits, in need. And look what he says about Achaia. Macedonia and Achaia, it hath pleased them. They did it willingly. He didn't force them to. He didn't guilt them into it, but they did it willingly. And we'll talk more about that later. If it had pleased them verily, and they, their debtors they are, for if the Gentiles have been made partakers of the spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. So when you receive the spiritual blessings, and, and Paul, when Paul talks about the carnal things, he's talking about money. Over in uh, Philippians chapter number 4, he also talks about giving when they sent to his need. And this is why we take care of missionaries also. You know, we have missionaries that go out and we support missionaries, which right now, well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to support a missionary coming up. But Paul says in uh, Philippians, he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, notwithstanding you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. And he's talking about money there when he says communicate. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving receive, and receiving, but you only. For in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that I may abound to your account. Paul didn't want the money. He just wanted to be able to take care of them spiritually. He wanted to be able to provide for their needs spiritually. He said, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever. And there's a New Testament principle. When it says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory, you can't outgive God. I'm just kind of throwing that in there. They gave to Paul, and he says, God's going to take care of you. All right, now the principles of giving. And I know that I'm just throwing a lot of verses out here. You can write them down and say, well, preacher, you're wrong on this. That'd be fine. But a basic a principle, I call these principles, but a principle is a basic truth, law, or assumption. A rule or standard, especially of good behavior or uh, the collectivity or of moral or ethical standards or judgments, a decision based on principle rather than expediency. So when we look in the Old Testament and say, well, the Old Testament doesn't apply to us. No, but we learn from the Old Testament. And you look at these passages in the Old Testament, you understand that God is speaking to the Israelites. God is speaking to the Jewish people. So look over in Exodus chapter number three, and we're going to work our way forward. Because when I was looking at this, I, you know, I found it, found it interesting. You know how you'll see something and you'll read it and you've read it before and you've read it again. And then you just kind of see it from a different angle. But when the Israelites were in Egypt, the book of Exodus is all about getting out of Egypt. When the Israelites were in Egypt, God had told them that not only was he going to deliver them, but when he delivered them, they would spoil the Egyptians. 
Now, that didn't mean they're going to pamper them like a little Yorkie. <laughs> but it meant that they were basically going to get loot from the Egyptians when they left. So he allowed them to spoil the Egyptians. Exodus chapter 3, verses 21 22, God said, And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. So what we see is that when, when the Israelites got out of Egypt, they had a bunch of gold and jewels that God had supplied for them. Now the principle I want to point out to you is that everything you get is from God in the first place. When you get the job, when you, when you, God takes care of you and supplies things. When we were in Sunday school this morning, we we're learning about Ziklag. We were reading about David and Ziklag and, and uh, the 200 stayed by the brook of Bezor. And when they came back from the battle and they'd gotten all the loot and they'd gotten all their people back. And they said, no, these 200 that stayed by the brook, they need to go. And David said, no, as, as his part that stayed by the stuff is his part that goes. He said, the Lord hath given us the victory. It wasn't the 400 men that went to fight. It was the Lord that gave them the victory. So the principle is that everything we have comes from the Lord. In, in Exodus chapter number 11, we're going to be jumping around a little bit. In Exodus chapter number 11, verse number 2 says, Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor, and every, man of her, every woman of, of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So we see God fulfilling his promise here in chapter number 11. And then verse number, in uh, chapter number 12, 35 and 36. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. So everything is given to us by God, our wealth, our health. You say, well, I got a good job that pays me. Well, you got the health to work the job. And believe me, in my family, we know the difference. <laughs> we know when you don't have the health to work the job. We know, you know, when there's problems and you're not able to. And uh, so we rely on the Lord for every step we take. But then look what he did in Exodus chapter number 35. All that gold and those jewels and everything, God asked them for it back when they were building the tabernacle. Because the tabernacle, everything was overlaid in gold. And it was, it was representative of heaven. You see that over in Hebrews chapter number 9. But it said in verse uh, 35, Exodus 35, verses 4 through 10, And Moses spake unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. And this next part here, Whosoever is of a willing heart. I, you know, even in the Old Testament. Now, this is where if they worked on the Sabbath day, they were killed. If they disobeyed God's commands, they were killed. God gave everything to them. And then when he requires it for the tabernacle to be built, and that, that was the whole reason he set that up in the first place. Well, he tells them to give. 
He said it must be of a willing heart when you give it to the Lord. And we see that in the New Testament when Paul said, God loves a cheerful giver. It's, it's kind of like, you know, it's get up here and say, you know, if, if you're going to be begrudging about it, if you, if you don't, don't want to, don't do it. We don't need hate money. <laughs> you know, God's going to keep us going or he'll shut us down and send us somewhere else. That's just the way it is. And living in fear of not having enough, living in fear of, of not being able to do things or, or, you know, holding back on this or that because we're afraid. That's just not, God hadn't given us a spirit of fear. You know, you still want stewardship. You still want to take care of what God gives you, but you want to do something with what God gives you. He said, must be of a willing heart. Let him bring it. Verse number five, let him bring it an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed and badger skins and shittim wood and oil for the light and spices for anointing oil and for the sweet incense and onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. And every wise hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord hath commanded. So God was not only asking them for what he'd already given them. But he was also asking them for themselves. All you that are wise hearted, come and build it. We need, this is, we need all of this so that we can build a tabernacle. So that you can offer up the sacrifices that I've set aside. So that you can fulfill the law that I'm going to lay out. You know, there's another principle right there. God gives you an assignment. God equips you. So... In the New Testament, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A willing heart. God, God wants you. You don't, you don't want to? Help yourself. And let me warn you about something else. Don't judge somebody else by what they give or don't give. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they've had to come up with. You don't know what God's going to put them through if they hadn't. And I'm not saying that God's waiting around with a baseball bat. You were $20 shy. <laughs> That's not how it works. God loves a cheerful gift. It's an indication of your heart, and it's an indication of your faith. And what bigger trial of faith is there? To say, Lord, I'm going to give this. But, I've, you know, I've heard this twisted. I've, I've, I've heard it twisted, and I've read about consequences in people's lives. The TV evangelists or whatever that send me your money, send me your money, send me. And he's got more money than he knows what to do with it. But somebody will give money that they don't have because they're expecting something back, you know. And then they end up in a bind and wonder why they were left high and dry. You give as you're able. You give according as you're able, and you give willingly and cheerfully. If you don't meet those, just hold on to it. Just keep it at home. Rely on it. So God withheld, another principle is that God withheld blessings from Israel when they held back. I told you these are principles. This isn't God speaking to the church age. This is God speaking to Israel. So turn to Haggai. 
Let's go on. We jumped a whole bunch just in case you thought I was going to give you verses all through the Old Testament. I told Miss Gay, I said, we could do a whole series on, on giving. <laughs> she said, oh, let's not get carried away. But turn, with, turn to Haggai. That's getting up there near Malachi and all them. This is one that I read. Well, of course I read it, but this is one that when I came across, it kind of kind of hit me in the gut. And uh, in Haggai, starting in verse number two, it says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Now, let's put this in context. If you read the book of Ezra, you remember when they're building the temple, and then they get stopped for so many years, and God sent in Haggai to say, Hey, it's time to build the house of God. It's time to build my temple. You're living comfortable in your houses. I'm giving you the context. You're living comfortable in your houses while my house is lying in ruin. And this is an indication of your heart. Well, in in this one here, God's withholding blessing, and he's going to talk about their life. And I'll I'll let you know the verse that God hit me with. So verse number 3, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now, now this is where it hit me. You have so much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, this is the one here. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Now, there's a picture. And when I say principle, I'm telling you, you know, just because you're not giving, it doesn't mean that God's going to do this. But, you know, you might find yourself in this situation. It's like, you know, I've been withholding, and, and I can't give because we don't have anything to give. Sometimes you don't have anything to give because you haven't given. I'll give you an illustration on that. You're saying, Keith, you're making up all kinds. No, these are principles. I'm not making up doctrine. I'm just sharing some things with you. Because when we see God talk to Israel, and that's how he felt about something, let me just say it plain and simple. How stupid is it to think that God's actually changed just because we're under grace? I mean, we're under grace. We're not under the law. We're not subject to the law. We don't make sacrifices. Jesus made the sacrifice once and for all sins. But when you see what made God angry in the Old Testament... And you say, well, God's just okay with it now. God didn't, he's not okay. He sent his son to die to pay for that sin. It's rough. Oh, that one punched me in the gut. So, you have so much, bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink. Verse number seven, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Verse number eight, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. You're looking after yourself. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth. And upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. So, 
<coughs> Israel was promised physical blessings. They were flat promised it if you look over in uh, well, if you look over at the at the building of the temple with Solomon's prayer, you see you see God promised blessings. And over in Deuteronomy, when they followed God, he promised them physical blessings. When he spoke to Abraham, he promised him physical blessings. I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse them that curse thee. God promised them physical blessings. In the New Testament, we have spiritual blessings from God. Amen. But he also takes care of our needs. Is that confusing? We have, in other words, you can't write this down and say this belongs to me. You'd be robbing from the Israelites. But in the New Testament, as a principle, when you take care of God, he takes care of you. It's just that plain simple. So if you're running spiritually dry, what is it that you're holding back from God? It doesn't always have to be money. It might be holding back yourself. And then why would God bless you with more when you haven't even done anything with it. You can't outgive God. So here's where we get to our church. We made a commitment last year, year before last. We made a commitment as a church because we hadn't been doing anything. And this is going out on Facebook, so I don't care. But we hadn't been doing anything with what was coming in. We didn't have missions. We didn't have anything like that, right? We just weren't ready for it yet. But the time came, it was brought up to me. You know, the church needs to be tithing. It's like, you're right. That's what we need to be doing. So we got together and we picked out some organizations because we didn't know any missionaries yet. We know one, and I'd like to bring him up in the future. But we picked out a couple of organizations and we said, we're going to tithe a tenth. We're going to give a 10% of whatever comes in to these organizations, and we'll divide it up between two of them. And we did that. And I think it came out to be giving myself away, but I think we actually ended up giving about 6000 last year, which was probably a little more than we took in. But uh, as far as percentage-wise, anyway, the exact numbers aren't important. They kind of are, but it was around 6000 So we gave that. That came out of our, out of, out of what came in, our 10th, our 10%. And if you'd have looked at it, you'd have said, man, we're running pretty close to the cotton here. You know, I don't know. But we didn't worry about that. We gave our 10%. We trusted God. You know, over the last year, we had the air condition go out. We spent 5000 on that. Uh, there were some other things that we got that we were able to take care of. But during that last year, and I won't tell you who it was, it wasn't necessarily anonymous, but we had somebody from outside the church in town here it started donating to the church. And it wasn't a whole lot, okay? And I'm not knocking it. I'm grateful for anything. But there came a time, I don't know what happened, a little slug there, but they gave us about 5000 in one hit. Do you know that took care of everything that we gave? So when I'm up here and I'm telling you that God's going to take care, I'm not making it up. And I'm telling you the principles, I'm not making it up. I'm telling you, God takes care of you. And I'm not trying to get more in. It'd be nice to be able to take care of things or whatever or do something, but I'm trying to teach you about giving in the way God does it. You know, we quit taking up the, the plate around here. 
And, you know, we hadn't lost anything, but we got the box on the back. Everybody knows to just drop it in the box on the back. I'm just throwing that out there for no particular reason. There's a box in the back on the left on your way out the door. If you... <laughs> no particular reason. I'm just bringing that up. But, uh, and then it gets a little rougher because God told Israel that they were dishonoring him when they offered less than the best. Turn over to Malachi. Now, Malachi is one of them passages a preacher can get carried away on, and this is where you get to press down, shaken over, stirred, and, and uh, spun around three times and all that. But look at uh, chapter number one of Malachi. So Malachi chapter one, verse number six says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised thy name? He say, you offered polluted bread upon mine altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. So essentially they were doing the offering. They were doing what they had to do. But instead of offering the Lord the good stuff, they saved that for back at the house. And it's like, well, we got this moldy bread that's left over. You you ever had a toy drive or something like that? Have you ever participated in a toy drive or something like that? How many things have you had to throw away? You know, I mean, on on some things where people donate towards it. Well, you know, pull it out in the garage. We don't need this. We'll get it. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. As an illustration, for all I know, I'm going to be out here by myself next week. (laughs) So uh, verse number eight, and if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? So they went out to the flock and they said, well, we got to give an offering. Well, what about this? No, no, no. We're showing that one at the rodeo. You see that one is over there barely standing up? <laughs> Just put some popsicle sticks on him. and we'll get him up to the altar. You see what I'm saying? They weren't offering the best that they had. They were holding back. And now I pray you beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. He, will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles in every place. Incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering, a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But you have profaned it, and that you say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. So, as a principle, when you look back at that, you see how God considered that offering the less than the best. And you can apply that to just about every aspect of serving God. You know, it's like, oh, well, that's good enough for the church, or this or that. You know, I don't know, I can't think of anything specific right now, but I can think I can think in my own life, you know, just some of the things, this is why we're it. I got under conviction. I said, how would I dress if I went to a million-dollar job? 
So why would I come up here in sneakers and blue jeans just to look cool? If, if I'm up here and I'm giving God's word, a creator of the universe, you know, it's not to make me look better. It just, it's just saying, Lord, this is all I got. I mean, this, this is the best. I'm trying to offer the best I can. It's the same with the sermons. You guys have heard some sneakers, I know. But, and I'm not being mean, but it's like when we offer to the Lord, we ought to be trying to offer our best. You know, when I come up to the church, I like to get the trash cans empty. I like to try to make it look good, you know. And it's like, well, it's not that much trash. No, we, we just want to offer the Lord the best. We want to get out of the way so when people come and they can spend time with the Lord, you know, we want to offer the best that we can. We want to do the best that we can. You know, somebody who does it every Sunday, regardless of who says anything to him, I'm about to embarrass him. But I tell you, our sound guy, Matt, is so faithful. And he probably doesn't even like me saying this, but when y'all leave, he's up here for another two or three hours. Now, he said the last three sermons, he just he didn't have to edit them much. <laughs> I said, how'd it go? Oh, it was pretty good. I didn't have to edit much at all. I just uploaded it. <laughs> so everybody's going to be wondering what he cut out. But he'll spend time making sure the audio quality is good. When, he, when we first got here, Matt made sure he rewired things and made the speakers sound good. You don't know how bad things can be if you don't have a good sound guy. And that's just one aspect. That doesn't make him more important than somebody else. Somebody that empties the trash cans is just important in God's economy. The widow's might, remember? Given all that you have. Are you in prayer for the church? If you can't do anything else, are you in prayer for the church? Are you praying for the people in the church? Are you praying that God will send people? If you can do things, is there something that God has shown you and you just kind of walk past it? I don't know. I'm not trying to pull anybody out of anything. But I'm just trying to show you this principle of giving your best to God. God told Israel they were robbing him when they held back the tithes and the offerings. And uh, that's the next one. But God told Israel that they were dishonoring him when they offered less than the best. When they brought out the lame and the hog. I I had a mean title. Diddy said I couldn't use it. Lame calves and sealed houses. (laughs) But this this isn't even that type of sermon. This is just to show you some principles that God's hit me with over the year. So Malachi 3.8, chapter number 3, just a couple chapters over, he said, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And he says, In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now God promised them a blessing and a curse all the way back there in Deuteronomy and all the way back there with Solomon. He He promised them a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you follow me and a curse if you don't. And you see that in the book of Judges. When they got away from God, man, there would be a curse on the land. They couldn't, you know, they were getting robbed. They were getting, they were getting beaten. But when they followed God, God would send a deliverer. So he says, you're, and that's dispensational. You're cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. I guarantee you, you'll hear that in some sermon online. Uh, that's, that was a favorite a long time ago. I don't know if, if it still is. I don't listen for it. But bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, here's another principle. 
Okay. This is one that hit me. This is one that said, you know, I don't know. We're, we're, you know, we might have this coming up or we might have that coming up. And this is the principle. And I read this and I can't guarantee it. I can't sit there and write it down in writing and say, God is going to do this if you do this. But here's something for you. Just kind of listen to it the way it said. He says, verse number 10, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Try me, he says. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be room enough to receive it. Now, if you don't take it dispensationally, you're robbing Israel's blessings. But let me tell you, in the New Testament, when you take care of the Lord's work, God take care of you. May not always be like you think, but God will take care of you in some way. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So those are principles. Have I made that clear? All right. Now, we're at the practice of giving. And I'm going to take this for what it's worth because I'm not going to preach on tithing all year long. Even though I could have done a series, I could have done a sermon with each one of these passages. The practice of giving. Tithing, you say, well, tithing, that's Old Testament law, right? But when you look in the Bible and you go back to Genesis 14, you can go there or not, but we see Abraham coming back from the battle and he meets King Melchizedek. And it says in verse 18, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. So Abraham meets the priest of the Most High God. Now, Melchizedek's a mystery. But here in his time, Abraham sees him in verse 19, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram for the Most High God of the... Blessed be Abram of the Most High God. And he's talking about Abraham, possessor of heaven and earth. And he's talking about God there, the possessor of heaven and earth. He said, and blessed be the most high God, which had delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And it says, and he gave him tithes of all. Now, when I read that, it's like, well, did Melchizedek give to Abraham? Did Abraham give to Melchizedek? But you get to Hebrews chapter number seven, and it talks about it. It says, now consider how great this man was unto whom, and he's talking about Melchizedek, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham Gave the tenth of the spoils. That's before the law was even brought down through Moses. So you say, well, the tithing, that's, that's, that's not, you know, that's Old Testament law. No, Abraham was under God's grace, and Abraham gave of the tenth of his tithe to God's priest. Jacob, in Genesis 28, 20, he made a vow. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Ain't that interesting? And then in Leviticus, it's handed down as law. It says in all the tithe, Leviticus 27, 30, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Uh, next week, I'm going, I'm going to go ahead and carry this forward one more. 
not a whole series, but next week we're going to look at the New Testament and see about giving as a church, what, what Paul said. We're going to be looking over there in 1 Corinthians. All right? Because we're, we're about out of time here.